0: Alright, you guys ready to dive deep tonight? You guys ready? Now, for those of you who might have a Bible or a smartphone, would you go ahead and grab Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, that might serve you well. Now, for those of you who are newer around here, we're just starting kind of a series. We started it last week called Enemy, the Battle Rages. And we started to talk about this idea of the supernatural, the unseen world around us. You hear a lot of talk about the unseen world around us, and the question is, is it real, or is it just Hollywood? Does it is it legit? Are, are these unseen things that people talk about, is it real, or, or is it just the fabrication of a place like Hollywood? Well, you must remember that we talked about last week that Uh, Though we should not believe that there is a demon behind every corner, behind every tree, we should not live our life thinking, oh, oh, can't go there because there's a demon at Taco Bell, right? At the same time, we can't be naive. The scripture teaches us very, very clearly, very, very clearly, that that there is an enemy who is unseen. And so much of the fight of our life rages not against the things that are seen, but the principalities of the unseen world around us. It's legit, in the eyes of scripture, it teaches us that there is a battle that rages in your life with the unseen world. So I wanna show you something. Now I know this kinda gets crazy. When you start to talk about the unseen, you start talking about supernatural, people go, okay, there it is, the church is getting all weird again, the church is getting all crazy again. I admit it, it can it can sound very, very strange, it can sound very, very weird, but I want to show you something that happened to, to us last week. I promise you, this was not planned, this was not set up in any way, this was not doctored in any way by our editing team, in any way. Uh, we were filming, if you might remember last week, we were in the realm of darkness. It was a haunted house up in Pontiac, anybody remember this? We were there last week, and during the shoot, something Uh, truthfully, very, very strange happened, and I just want to play it for you. Remember the scripture teaches us, though, that you have to have eyes to see. You have to have eyes to see spiritual things. And, And he says, no, I do not see. And she says, it's the same man that I saw a week ago standing in our house. And then they say this. That sounds like a knock on the door, doesn't it? It is a knock on the door. Come with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not staying here alone. James, Hello? James. That's so weird. I was just starting to say he knelt over and was knocking on the bed, pushing the bed. Oh my goodness, you guys! There's nobody out there. i we got that story up. <laughs> <laughs> You got enough of that, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Cause you got the. I like what I just said. True story. It was not set up. It was. It was. I'm not saying it's demonic. I'm just saying it was more than coincidental. Coincidental. At that moment, I, I'm leaning in talking about this story. Remember the story where I talk about how the, the, the lady sees and the guy does not see? I talk about the eyes that have to be able to see. There's a spiritual sight out there that you have to have ears to hear. And all of a sudden, I kid you not, it was like, I don't know if it came, did it come through on the video? It was like. It was freaky, to say the least. It was freaky. We were like, we got to get done with this thing like right now. Let's go, you know. Um, so if you have a Bible, um, I'd love to dive into this. The scripture uh, says that there, are, there is an enemy, and his name is Satan. And he has followers. We call them demons. And so today, we're going to spend some time talking about angels and demons. We're going to talk about the, the unseen world and what goes on around us according to the scripture. And we're, and we're going to begin with a story that comes directly out of the life of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark Chapter 5, and here's what it says starting in verse 2. It says, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with what? Say it. An evil spirit came from the tombs in order to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. Verse 4, it says, for he had often been chained hand and foot and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So here we have this regular guy, this regular Joe, who was apparently possessed by something. The, the writer of scripture calls it an evil spirit. And, and, and this evil spirit does something inside of this man that gives him sort of this strength that was that was more than an average man, Some a strength that he was not able to be subdued or taken down by average men. And so the scripture goes on to say about this one bad dude, it says this, verse 5, night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and, and listen what he would do, listen what he do, he'd cry out, and he would what? cut himself with stones. Now, do do you recognize that here, some 2,000 years later, that when people are are in great distress in their life, what often do they do? Especially the young, right? They they cut themselves. And and it seems like the enemy has always wanted to steal, kill, and destroy, like we talked about last week. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, The enemy is alive and well, always has been alive and well. And some of his methods haven't even changed. Let's read on. Verse six, it says, it says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell at Jesus' knees in front of him. He shouted to the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me, for Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Now, if you wanted to go back and read the rest of the story, it's very, very interesting uh, because we, we learn that there was more than one demon doing battle or waging war against this man. We learn that there were so many demons that they identified themselves as a legion of demons, like an entire army of demons had come against this man. And what's very, very interesting is that these demons or this, this chief demon begins to negotiate with Jesus, and we're not privy to all the whys and all the hows, and we're not sure how it all shakes down. But all we know is that there's this negotiation that occurs. And, and the demons say to Jesus, if you read the rest of the story, they say, We know you have authority. We know you have power. We know you walk with God. You are the Son of God. You're different than everybody else. And, he, and this demon says, So don't just send us out to Rome freely. We're not sure what that all means. But these demons make a request. They say, don't just send us out, but send us into somebody or something else. And so the scripture records that there was this herd of pigs nearby. And Jesus sends this legion of demons into the herd of pigs. Now why would he choose a herd of pigs? Because apparently there were no cats nearby. True. But, it, but the scripture goes on to record that there were 2,000 pigs nearby, and the demons at the word of Jesus leave this man, and they enter into this herd of pigs, and there was such a violent reaction, such a dark reaction with the group of pigs, that they race toward the cliff, and, and apparently they were in a region where there was a cliff with a lake below, and it says that these pigs literally jumped off the cliff, raced off the cliff in their madness, and they were plunged to their death by drowning in the lake below. It's very interesting, right? The scripture says that there are these demons that come against people, that there is this battle that rages. And sometimes people ask, they say, like, Jay, you seem like a fairly well-adjusted, fairly educated person. You've been around the world a little bit. I mean, you're not like some weirdo. Um, do you believe in demons. And my answer is yes. I absolutely believe in demons. And then some might ask, well, have you ever seen a demon or experienced a demonic moment? And my answer to that is is yes. Twice in my adult life that I can remember, twice that I can remember, I had an experience, an encounter with something that I thought was other than this world. That there was that there was a different battle that was waging just uh, not just what I could see, but something in the unseen world. Now, I debated on whether or not I should share this story with you because uh, when, when you share these kinds of things, uh, your credibility is sort of at stake, right? And. And, and, and people sometimes will think, well, the pastor is going to, he's just weird. I mean, he thinks he's seeing things. He thinks he's, like, involved in, like, ghosts and stuff like that. And I get it. Um, some of you might think this is, is very, very strange, very, very weird. But I waited out, and many of you already think I'm weird, all right? And, and so I figured I would just go ahead and ruin it for everybody, all right? Um, but, but true story, absolutely true story. I, I had two encounters, and I will share one of them with you. Um, It was way back in my early college years. I was about 20 years old, uh, married to to Lynette at the time, and uh, I was involved with a ministry that reached into the homosexual community. Uh, Very simply, but very purposefully, we would go down to the gay bars and the gay clubs every single weekend, and we would spend time in the gay community just loving people, just caring about people, making friendships with, with folks who the church has not done such a good job of befriending. And so we would go down and we'd become friends with these folks and, and get to know them a little bit. And, and every once in a while, a, a true and genuine friendship would, would strike up. And, and people were open to a little bit more of a relationship. And so uh, we would occasionally invite people out to dinner uh, from this community and we would go out and hang out and play around with them and you know, do sports or do whatever just to you know, make friendships with them. And on one occasion, um, we, we met this fellow who, whose name was Stephen, by day, uh, and by night, he went by Stephanie. He was a, um, a male transvestite exotic dancer who was a chef by day. So by day, he was Stephen. By night, he was Stephanie. And a very strange situation, to say the least. He was a very, very broken man. Well, we struck up a friendship with this dancer. And uh, as we got to know him better, we invited him over to dinner Um, We actually, there was uh, one of the guys who was really in the lead of this ministry at the time was a dear friend of mine named Jim Gippert. And Jim was also married and he had a little house. And so he invited uh, myself and some others over uh, with his wife and and uh, Stephen as well and some other people from the gay community. And over dinner, we played a little basketball that night. I'm a terrible basketball player. Um, But uh, we, we played a little basketball and then we went in for dinner. And as we were sitting over dinner, Uh, Jim begins to kind of dig deep into people's lives, you know? He starts talking about what, what, what experiences people had and kind of going around the room and all that. And Jim begins to speak of the thing that changed his whole life, his relationship with Jesus. And he began to tell his story. And he began to speak of the name of Jesus. And I kid you not, absolutely true story. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling you the truth. In the moment Jim started to speak of his relationship with Jesus, very authentically, not being pushy, but just began to speak of that name of Jesus, Uh, Stephen, who was, by all accounts, very meek and very mild and very feminine in nature, um, he had the most dark and violent reaction to the name of Jesus. I still remember it. Uh, It was like there was a, uh, almost like a different voice uh, I knew it was him speaking, but it was like I was hearing like a different voice that came forth. And, and I remember it was a very, very simple phrase that Stephen or, or whatever was speaking on his behalf kept saying, do not speak his name. Whose name? Jesus. And so as Jim began to speak the name of Jesus, there was this violent reaction. And he started throwing things and pushing things. And all of a sudden, I kid you not, he kept saying, do not speak his name. Do not speak his name. With just an unbelievable force. And here I am, I'm a kid and I, and I don't, you know, really know what to do or what to say. I don't, you know, this isn't something you experience all the time. And I'm just sitting there going, oh God, please, um, now would be a good time. You know, uh, you know, uh, and and all I uh, he just kept do not speak that name, and then the, whatever it was flings or flung Stephen to the floor, and he is, for lack of a better term, he's like having this like what appeared to be like an epileptic seizure on the floor. Jim jumps out of his chair like he's in combat kid you not, man, he's bad to the bone. This guy is fearless, you know, and he literally gets down and just starts praying in Jesus' name right over this guy. i mean, just like, boom, there it is, you know, and I'm like, Jim, you go right ahead, man. Woo, you go, boy, and, uh, and, and I kid you not, um, that was a real experience in my life. I don't know. I can't explain it all. I can just tell you from everything that I know of the scripture, everything I know of God, I can just tell you that it was a demonic moment that I was in the middle of. Um, Now, the cool thing is, uh, our relationship with Stephen continued to grow. um, Because like the demon legion, who knew the name and the authority of Jesus, Stephen also knew the name and the authority of Jesus. And eventually Stephen became a follower of Jesus. Pretty exciting, yeah, pretty cool. And uh, we welcomed him into our church, and it was a great, uh, great thing. And so, uh, friends, listen, this is uh, the real deal that there is a battle that rages. There is a spiritual world that goes on all around us. And and, and the problem is is that you and I, we live in in 2015. We live in this modern world, in this modern age that stamps out all spirituality. But the scripture says, do not be deceived. We have a great enemy, and his name is Satan. And so the very first question we are going to ask is, where did Satan come from? The scripture actually teaches us that Satan wasn't always the evil one, that he didn't start off that way. As a matter of fact, the scripture teaches us that Satan was an angel. He was actually one of God's best and brightest angels. The scripture actually teaches that he was called the morning star, that that he was radiant in the heavens, that he held a special place among all of God's angels. But what happened? Well, Satan wasn't satisfied with all that he had. He wasn't satisfied with his position. He became jealous of God. And so instead of saying, like Jesus said, your will be done, Satan said, my will be done. He wanted more and more for himself. And let's be honest, we're like this sometimes. We, we think we can play God in our own life. We think that we're the ones who control our destiny, that we can tell God what to do. Well, Satan thought he could tell God what to do. So up until this point, this angel, this bright and morning star, had a name. He was called Lucifer. But Lucifer began to change. He began to demand his own way. He began to demand his will. His jealousy of God grew and grew and grew. And so he started to say, my will is what matters. He, he was recorded as saying five different times in scriptures, I will, I will. I will. He wanted his own way, so much so that Isaiah the great prophet Recorded these words in his 14th chapter. He says, How have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to earth, you who once laid low the nations. You you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the cloud. I will make myself just like the most high in the heavens and god says to him oh no you won't there is only one who is god and i am not sharing my position with any and the scripture records that that he was cast from heaven and it also records that a third of all the angels fell with him that they were too cast from the heavens as a matter of fact this is what it reads in revelation chapter 12. And there was war in the heavens. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. Who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and the angels with him. And so when Lucifer said, I will be like God. God says, no, you will not not. And so the scripture records that, that Lucifer and a third of all the angels of heaven were were, were cast to the earth. And this is when they became known as Satan and his demons. Now we have to remember that not every bad problem is from a demon, right? Like if you're having a bad hair day, you can't just like, be gone from me Satan of bad demon hair stuff, right? If you're, it could be just that you're having a bad hair day, right? Or some of y'all have no hair at all, right? Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, Mike. Um, so, or, or you can't like cast demons out of your kid every time that they're acting up. It could be just that they're hungry or that they need to go to bed early or they could need a stinking spanking, right? Um, it's not always demons, but at the same time, the scripture says we must be very aware of how demons operate in and around us. What, what goes on in the world that is unseen. And so I'm going to tell you four ways that I think that, that the demons of this world, how they operate and how they come against the people of God. So if you were to be taking notes here, it would be the first thing that you would want to write down is that demons influence the leaders of nations. They influence our world. They influence the leaders of nations. If you were to think about it, Think about the, the incredible movements in human history that have been utterly destructive, utterly inhumane in every single way. How does that happen? How do, how do entire nations of good people, decent people, people who just want to raise a family and raise their kids and enjoy a little bit of life, how do they become utterly corrupt? Well, I believe the scripture teaches that, that demons influence national leaders and entire nations. Entire cultures at a time. You think about the Holocaust, you think about genocides, you think about racism, you think about abortion, you think about the things that God hates, that this world embraces. Demons are at work. As a matter of fact, we discussed this passage of scripture last week a little bit, but Daniel chapter 10, you may want to write this down, Daniel chapter 10 verse 13 helps illustrate this. The context was this, that Daniel was praying that God would somehow make a move, that God would somehow come to his rescue because he was in exile. He was literally enslaved by, by the Persians. He was, he was uh, not free to do what he wanted with his own life. And so he was praying to God in a big way. And for 21 days, nothing happens. And all of a sudden, we're told that a messenger appears to Daniel, a messenger from God. Speaking on God's behalf to Daniel. And here's what it says Uh, very interesting. It says, He's explaining the delay. He says, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. He's saying, here's why I didn't come. Here's why I didn't rescue. Here's why I didn't answer your prayer earlier. I was involved in like a national level conflict thing going on here. He says, the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief uh, princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Listen, friends, behind the scenes in our world, When you're looking at headlines and when you're looking at the news, and you just shake your head, and you ever do this? You ever go, how does this happen in our world? Does anybody ever think that way? Like you go, what in the world? How does this go on? Well, the scripture says that there is this unseen battle going on at national type of levels. In a world that we don't see. Because our battle is not against just politicians and military and men and women but against the principalities of darkness that rule over our world. And so here's, here's the next thing that I think that the demons do, and you may want to write this down, because this becomes a little bit more personal. Demons desire to inflict suffering in your life. Demons desire to come against you. You, you think about this, friends. You think about having a kid or a grandkid. Let's say you have a six-year-old in your life. And do you realize that the enemy wants to hurt your six-year-old. Your enemy wants to take him or her out of the picture. He wants to take their little heart far away from the things of God. It wants to take peace out of their life, joy out of their life altogether. Where the scripture teaches us, right from the life of Jesus, that there were demons that they want to inflict suffering on humanity. And you think if he can inflict suffering on a little child, think how much more he wants to destroy you. Think about that. Here's what the scripture says. Matthew chapter 17, verse 15. You may want to write that verse down. Matthew chapter 17, verse 15. Go back and read the whole context. But you have this father who is absolutely beside himself because of the suffering that is going on with his child. And he comes to Jesus and he says this, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and is suffering greatly. Suffering? Greatly, right? He often falls into the fire or into the water. And then, why is this? Why is this? Because we're going to learn that he has an evil spirit that's driving him. You know, a lot of times in the modern world, we go, oh, he's just sick. She's just sick. And that's true, even in Jesus' age. Sometimes they were just sick. But in this particular case, there was something deeper going on that was causing such great suffering for this child. It says this bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the what? Not the epilepsy. The demon. Jesus says there is a, there's a demon that's wanting to inflict suffering on your family. This is how the enemy operates. It says Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. And here we see Jesus confronting a demon who's trying to destroy the life of a little child, a kid. We need to recognize, friends, if we're gonna do battle with the enemy, we're gonna have to recognize that some of the suffering that comes our way, I'm not saying it's all, but I'm saying some of the suffering that comes our way is influenced by the authorities of this world that are unseen, by the enemy of God. And here's the next thing, and I think this is probably the most common way that Satan is gonna come against you and his demons are gonna come against you and your family. I want you to listen closely to this one. I think this is the most common way. Is that he is gonna lure your heart away from God. Just subtly, he's just gonna lure you away from God. Demons know you. Demons study you. They know what's going to take you down. They, they know you like material thing. Oh, here's a new little shiny thing. Look at this. you got to have this. Run after this. Forget God. Forget God. Forget what the call of God. Forget your commitments to God. Forget that you wanted to be generous and live open hand. Here's the shiny thing. You need the shiny thing. Is anybody in the room just want to admit that they're, like, you can't even explain it, but you just had a product or something in your mind that you don't even know why. But it just, you, you, you weren't satisfied until you bought it. Anybody? Shiny little things. Some of us like skin. Too much skin. And there's an enemy that wants to take you far, far from the heart of God. Who wants to lure you away. Nothing will take you further, farther from the heart of God than sexual immorality. Listen to me. Nothing. Nothing. There are habits that drive your life. And you have an enemy that wants to lure you away. There's an enemy there that wants to keep, <laughs> keep that habit front and center in your life. There, there's an enemy that wants to say, this is all you will ever be. This is all you are. This is why we have Renew. This is why we, we as a church say, no, 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 the enemy can't win. The enemy is not going to win. Because God created you to be something more than this, something different than this. Amen? You all with me? So we have an enemy. And here's what the scripture says. The the spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the what? Is it up there? No, you guys are killing me. Where's my people? Oh my goodness. Demons. I'm gonna preach it anyways. You ready for this? This is 1 Timothy chapter four. Listen to this. It says that the spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith And follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. It's true. We get wrapped up in an intellectual thought. It doesn't, I mean, it just suddenly just grabs you and it makes, it it undoes everything that you've ever learned or ever believed. And it just unravels you from the inside out. And it's like you no longer are even open to truth. It's like you're not even open to search and ask questions. Listen, you have an enemy that wants to lure you away from the heart of God. And let me tell you one more quick thing, is that demons want to paralyze you. They want, they want to paralyze you with fear. They want you to get wrapped up in your own life. They want to make you fear. Like Jamie's up here telling a story about, hey, listen, God just says go, and I just wanted to go, and I felt this call. He says just go. A whole bunch of us go, I feel the call, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm afraid to go. Go. And we get wrapped up in the fear of our marriage or fear for our finances and fear for our health. And we get all wrapped up in things that are out there. We get fear of germs. We get fear of, of, uh, of, of sickness. We get fear of all these things that could be in our life. And it keeps us from being who God wants us to be. I want to share my faith. I have such a big faith inside of me. I want to share it, but I'm afraid to. The scripture teaches that there is an enemy who puts fear, but God's spirit, listen, drives out that fear. Here's what the scripture says about this. Listen very carefully. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God has not put that spirit of fear in us. Who has? The enemy. Not God, but the power but a power, listen, this is what God puts in us. But a power and of love and of a sound mind, the kind of spirit that God puts inside of us is not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of a power and love and of a sound mind that does not live with irrational fears. We move forward when God wants us to move forward. We go and we take the next steps when God wants us to go and take next steps. Friends, this is a very real deal. Very real deal. So we need to know how the enemy operates. And listen. We need to know how to do battle with the enemy. Check this out. So how do we fight these forces of darkness in our life? Well, the scripture gives us three principles. And the first one is this, that we should never treat our enemy lightly. We should never take our enemy lightly. As a matter of fact, in the little New Testament Bible book called Jude, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude, but verse nine says it like this. It says, so even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And so even this mighty warrior of God, even this angel of God named Michael, when he was doing battle with the devil one-on-one, he didn't trash talk his enemy. He didn't treat him lightly. He didn't say, you're nothing. Your mama is nothing. You are U-G-L-Y with no alibi. He did not go on and on about how low and how little and unpowerful the devil was. No, no, no. He did not treat his, his enemy lightly. He, he said, this is God's war. This is God's power. This is God's strength coming up against you. So we do not take our enemy lightly. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts, there's an interesting story recorded. It's a story about how seven men, seven brothers named the sons of Sceva. That's what they were called, the sons of a man named Sceva. And it says that they they came up against this demon possessed person and they went to do battle with this person. What's interesting, they tried to cast out this demon. They tried to do battle against this demon personally. It was very interesting. They said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches about, come out of that person. But instead of coming out of that person, the demon responds and says, oh yeah, we know Jesus. We know the power of Jesus. And we even know this man named Paul that you speak of, but we don't know who you are at all. You see these seven brothers, these seven men, they took their enemy lightly. They treated their enemy lightly and says that the demon-possessed man came against these brothers and gave them such a thrashing that they ran out of that area stark naked. And you don't want to run out of an area stark naked. You don't want to get beat down by the devil. Do not treat your enemy lightly. And here's the second principle at work. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his sons or daughters in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells or, or who is a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable before the Lord. Here's what the scripture teaches us, that we do not treat our enemy lightly and we do not flirt with the power of darkness in our life. And here's the third principle. The principle is that we do not fight with our own power, but with God's authority in our life. You see, far too often we think that we personally have the strength to stand up against our enemy, that we can defeat our enemy, that we can defeat the things that are attempting us and pulling us away from God's power and strength in our life. The scripture says that we do not fight, with our own authority. There is a big difference between what you can do and what God could do. For example, if you were to turn to the book of Matthew in chapter 10, the very first verse, it's very interesting. It says that Jesus gave authority to his disciples to do what? To, to, to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. But what's interesting is that he gave them authority, but not his power. He gave them the authority that comes through his power, and there is a big difference. For example, if, if I was out on the street, if I was to go out into the middle of traffic, and if I was to try to stop the flow of traffic, like try to control the flow of traffic and stand in the middle and put my hand up, people would just drive right by, right? They would say, who does that guy think he is? I mean, he's a good looking guy and everything, but I'm not listening to him. I'm not going to obey his authority because he has no authority. But on the other hand, if I was to go out into the middle of traffic and if I was to have a uniform on and a badge and if I was to have a squad car there and if I was to have the power or the backing of the government, all of a sudden I would have authority to do something about traffic. People would listen to me. Why? Why? Because not only would I have uh, authority, but I would have power that comes through the authority given to me. So when we battle the influences of darkness in our life when 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 evil comes against you or me we do not battle in our own strength in our own authority we battle with the authority that comes from God through the power of our relationship with Christ himself and so friends listen when anxiety comes your way when fear comes your way when regret comes your way when disappointment comes your way when hopelessness comes your way when you feel everything is going south and the enemy of God has come against you. You battle him with the authority that comes through the power of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Never forget that greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. There is a battle and that battle is real. There is a kingdom of light and there is a kingdom of darkness. And while there are demonic forces at work in their world, in this world, according to the scripture, there is also the host of heaven that are at work in this world. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we're going to hit on a couple of these very, very important understandings. Uh, we need to understand that God has th- th- these things, the- these beings called angels. And they're at work in this world. And so what does the scripture teach us? Very, very quickly, what does the scripture teach us about angels? Well, first of all, a lot of our misconceptions about angels, they come from Hollywood. Uh, When I was growing up, there was uh, Touched by an Angel. Remember that? Uh, There was Angel, the Michael, there was a Michael movie with Angel or something like that, yeah. And then, of course, the greatest Christmas movie of all time, all godly people agree, is It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, all godly people agree it's the best Christmas movie ever. And, and of course, we learn from that movie that angels, uh, second-class angel Clarence, remember this? He got his wings when he did enough good, right? He got his wings when when enough good was done. Uh, Well, friends, much of what we know about angels comes from Hollywood, and very little of it is true. We, We think that there is a guardian angel that comes from our grandmother, that our grandmother is a guardian angel. Your grandmother might have been a saint from God. But the scripture teaches that she is not a guardian angel for you. The scripture teaches that, that, that angels are very specific created beings that do God's bidding. Here's what we need to know about angels. First is this, is that ga- angels are God's servants. You may want to write that down. Angels are God's servants. They do the exact bidding and work of God. Over and over, we're going to see in the scripture that, that what, what God needs done, oftentimes, he will send a messenger, an angel, to do what man cannot do. If you were to go back into the storyline of the book of Genesis, and, and a man named Abraham, one of the great spiritual giants, he entertains these men, he, he has them into his home, and he doesn't even realize what is going on in this moment. These angels are, are calling him out to, to form a new direction, to, to, to literally create a new covenant, a new relationship with God. He's there. They're pushing him to a whole different thing. He doesn't even realize that these are angels that he's entertaining until later. He recognizes that they were doing God's work. Here's what the scripture says in the New Testament about this. It says in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, and you can see this all the way through scripture, but here's what it says, and this is very important for us to remember. It says this, do not forget to entertain who? Strangers. Strangers. Anybody ever have a weird encounter once in a while? Like you just meet somebody and say, Where did that guy come from? What is the deal with this guy? You know? It says, be careful. Be careful with the strangers that you meet, because it says that for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without even knowing it. Without even knowing it. Um, so the first we see is that angels are God's servants. And here's the second thing very quickly is angels are worshipers of God. They lead worship. They call us to worship. They are worshipers of the most high God. We see this in the birth announcement of Jesus. It says, the angels of heaven sang over the fields. Glory to God in the highest. Here's how the book of Hebrews says of angels. It says this in verse one or chapter 1, verse 6. It says, let all the angels of God worship him. They draw us to worship. They cause us oftentimes to remember the God who needs to be worshiped. We see this all the way through the scriptures. In the end days, it says when, in the book of Revelation, it gives us a picture of heaven. It says that the angels gather around the throne with all of us, and they sing God's glory. They sing God's praise. Pretty incredible, because some of us need a backup singer to help us along, if you know what I'm saying, right? Here's the next thing we need to know is that angels are God's warriors. They do battle for us. We already talked about uh, how Daniel... Uh, was was sent this message that God was at work. God was doing what man cannot do, and he was choosing an angel. Uh, Another thing that we see in Scripture, I'm just cruising right along because i got to get to something else here. Angels, listen, they are messengers of God. And I think this is probably the most practical for us. Sometimes, when we just need to hear something from God, when we just need to know something from God, when sometimes we feel like we don't know which direction to go, God will often send a word through an angel. You might think it's a stranger on the plane. You, you might think it's a guy who you've never seen in your plant before. It might be a, a guy in the corner. It might be a guy at Subway. It might be a lady down the road. Who knows? But oftentimes, God will send a messenger. You remember when the announcement of Jesus? When Jesus said to Mary, uh, when, when, when God wanted Mary to know that Jesus was about to be born, when she was going to conceive a child. She was a virgin for crying out loud you're not gonna like take that news just from anybody, right? The scripture says that an angel came and appeared to her and gave her the good news that God has chosen her. Friends, sometimes along the way, we just need an extra, an extra movement of God in our life. A a message from him that carries the weight of eternity to move us along, to encourage us when when we're not strong. When we feel it's all going south, he'll often send messengers. So, friends, we need to be careful to not only realize that there is an enemy, but we also have a God who goes before us and a God who fights with us. Um, I want to show you one more clip before we're done because I have had one encounter in my life where I thought an angel ministered to my soul. It was about 29 years ago. I had a terrible accident at this very corner. I was just 16 years old, only had my license for a little bit, and uh, it was wintertime. I was running late to school. I was always running late to school, and I came upon this thing that I didn't know of then, but I know about it now. It's called Black Ice. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, That's where the road just sort of glazes over, and you can't really see that it's icy, but it's icy, and when you put your brakes on, you're you're not stopping. You're, You're on ice. Well, apparently, uh, like I said, I was running late and uh, I was coming westbound on, on this very road, approaching this stop sign here. And uh, I hit my brakes, you know, tried to slow down maybe a couple hundred feet out and there was no stop. And it was was like I was sliding through. And and immediately, uh, I might've been young and dumb, but I knew that I was not going to stop. Now in the car with me was my sister in the passenger seat and my younger brother uh, in, in the seat behind me. And I literally had time to go see that car, see that car approaching us. I literally said, we are going to hit that car. It is going to ram us into side. Brace yourself! And so, as we proceeded to slide through the intersection, we got broadsided, and we literally tumbled over a couple of times, and we landed in, in in this ditch right here. I mean, this was like the real deal, and this was back in the day where. There was nothing here. There were. This was almost 30 years ago. There were no houses. All of these ditches that you see here, they were all irrigation ditches back then. And, and so my car landed in the ditch on its side, my window in the bottom of the ditch. The ditch was filled with ice and water, and we broke through the ice, and my car started to fill up With water, And and what's interesting is that I I remember so vividly smelling the smell of gas. I remember smelling that there was smoke and that there was a a small fire that was started. And and I remember being down in there as water was filling up the cabin. And my sister was above me. And she was unconscious. Uh, uh, Later we found out that she had broken five bones around her pelvic area. And, And I literally thought my sister was dead. I am screaming. I am crying. And I'm yelling out for her and she's not moving at all. And I do the best thing that I know to do. I start to push up on her, trying to get her up and out of the window that was above me, right? Because I I was down in the ground and I was up and and I realized I could not get her out. She was literally suspended on a, on her her seatbelt. She was like suspended looking down at me. And uh, uh, my little brother was behind me. And so I say to him, I say, I will get Deanna out. Aaron, you get out of the car, but first get your school books. I wanted to make sure we got the school books out of the car. And so I remember Aaron getting out of the passenger window, I think it is, that where it was above him, and my sister was there. And all of a sudden, uh, the strangest thing happened. It was like God sent someone to me. Uh, all of a sudden, there was this older man who was, to me, dressed like a farmer. He was wearing jeans and and, uh, a red flannel shirt. Uh, But remember, there were no houses around. We were the only ones on the the side of the road. And... uh, this farmer looks into the cabin and says, I will get her out. I will take care of her. And he reaches down, unbuckles her seatbelt, and I remember very vividly he gently takes her up out of the car and he carries her up and out of the ditch. And at this time, a black Ford Explorer had pulled out in front of us and... Uh, and had pulled off to the side of the road, and this lady was running toward us. She was carrying a blanket, and uh, this guy said, I want to put this woman, my sister, down in your car. And, and so the lady opens her tailgate up, and my, this this guy lays my sister uh, in, the, in the back of, of this lady's car. Now, what's very odd about this is that my father worked at our school, which is just up the road, and my father's car was the next car on the scene of the accident. Again, remember, this was a long time ago and there was nothing around here. And so my father, he pulls over thinking that he's gonna just help somebody, but it's his kids that are on the side of the road. And of course, he immediately panics and, and realizes that his kids are in trouble here and, and he, he jumps into action. And I'm not exactly remembering what went on, but eventually my father turns to me and says, Well, how did you guys get out of the car? How, who, who helped you out of the car? And I remember very clearly saying, well, this guy, this guy, there was a guy. And, and I remember looking around going, there was a guy here. There, were, there was a guy here who helped us out of the car. And and looking back now, and I, and I can't say this for certainty, but I feel in this moment that God sent his angels to minister to me and my family. And, and just a moment of great need that God visited us through his angels. Now the scripture says this, that we entertain angels without even knowing it sometimes, that God sends his messengers, that God sends help in the form of angels. And sometimes we think of these as forms of humans, but but the scripture says it is God working his will through angels. Sometimes we don't understand it, sometimes we can't make sense of it, but this is exactly what the scripture teaches. Matter of fact, one time in scripture, it says that the man named Peter, this man of God, he was in chains, he was in prison, and the believers around him were praying for his release, but there was no hope for his release. And then it says that, that there was a shaking in the prison, like an earthquake in the prison. And then all of a sudden there was this man appeared, that that there was this help that appeared. And and all of a sudden his chains, they fell off of him, and this helper moved him out of the prison, let him out of the prison and down into, into a place of safety. And later on, Peter goes back and says, thinking about this situation, he says, there is no doubt that God sent his angel to help me in my time of need. I can tell you this, that looking back in my life, I can't prove it to you, but I feel that God sent his angel to help in my time of need. Wow. Looking back, um, what I didn't tell you was like, once we, when this thing carries my sister up out of the ditch, uh, we got about 30, 45 seconds away from the car and the whole thing went up like the A-team. Remember the A-team, the cars exported. It was crazy and you saw the pictures up there. Um, listen, friends, we live in a battle. There is a spiritual war that rages all around us. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And I know, I get it. Some people go, well, I don't know. If I, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, I don't know if it's real. I'm telling you, friends, what the scripture teaches and what I've experienced is that it is real. And you have to choose. You have to choose to have eyes to see it and ears to hear it. You have to choose which side, which kingdom you are going to be on. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for um, a great night together. Uh, thank you for um, hearts that are open. And God, I realize that this is this is a tough subject. This is an interesting subject for a lot of people. But God, I just pray that you would speak to each one in the room, God, in your own way, however it is necessary in the life of every individual here. God, would you reveal yourself to them? God, would you help us to wake up to 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 the things of eternity? to eternal things. God, would you help us to see you clearly so that we could follow you? God, help us to hear your voice clearly so we can follow you. Speak, O oh God, for your child is listening. In Jesus' name, amen.